All right, you ready? Let's open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. We'll start there. Uh, well, I mean, that's where we're going to be, but we have, a, we, have some, uh, we have a lot of Bible to cover today. That would have been a good place for you to say, oh, good. Or, no, oh, no, Bible, we're out of here, dear. We started uh, our study in the book of Acts last week, and I won't, uh, although highly tempted, I won't go back and, and uh, do all of the introduction and all that again. But we, as we begin the first chapter in the book of Acts, we remember that Luke is describing, he's narrating, he's describing for the reader uh, Jesus' interaction with his disciples uh, between his resurrection and his ascension. So we haven't got to the ascension of Christ where Luke is still in that period of time between, the, between Easter and, and Pentecost, which is coincidentally where we are now. Woo! And so we'll just stay with Luke in that time period for a hot minute and, uh, because we want to benefit from it. And uh, what Luke has done for us in, the, in the Acts chapter 1 is tell us the emphasis that Jesus... Uh, gives to his disciples. He tells us that uh, Jesus has been meeting with his disciples and been talking with them, giving them commandments, but he only gives us one command, and, and it's about them waiting for the promise of the Father. We talked last week about just really about that one word, wait, what it means to wait, why it was important, what they were waiting for. But if we look today, so last week we looked at uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 5. Today we're just going to look at verses 4 and 5. <laughs> I told you we were going to be here for a minute. Here's what, here's what Luke tells us, verses 4 and 5 of Acts there. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. That was, that was last week. Which he said, you heard of from me. That's what I want us to hear today. Jesus tells his disciples, wait for the promise, uh, and boys... You've heard of this promise from me. And then to make sure that they knew what he meant, again he said, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the promise is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus tell them about? The coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So right away what we see in Luke 4, which I want you to see today, in there, I mean Luke 4, chapter, verse 4 of Acts here, 1, is that Jesus... Uh, Luke tells us, Luke tells the reader that Jesus had talked to his disciples about the coming Holy Spirit. And Luke tells us that Jesus made it a point to remind his disciples that he had talked to them about the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to split hairs here, but Luke could have just said, oh, and, and, uh, and, and you know, Jesus had told them about the Spirit, but he takes time to, tell, to actually quote Jesus. He wants us to know that Jesus talked to them, and he wants us to know that Jesus made a point even to remind them that he had. What does that tell us? There's a couple of immediate, really important implications of that, and that reminds us that the gift of the Spirit, then, is not an afterthought. He is not an afterthought, nor is he an also. Not an, oh, by the way. 
The gift of the Spirit is what heaven has promised, and he is what Christ prepared his disciples for. What he told them about the Spirit was significant. Remember, boys, I've told you. What he told them about the Spirit was significant, and the inference there in verse 4 is that he wanted them to keep what he told them in mind as they waited. What he told them about the Spirit informed their expectations. As they were in the upper room, as they wait for the promise, they, the disciples that we read about, they did not just enter into the upper room saying, well, he said there was a promise. We have no idea what he really means, but if we'll just hang out here, maybe let's just clear our minds. Let's just chant some sort of nirvana thing or whatever. No, they didn't come with empty minds and empty hearts. They came to the upper room with informed expectations. God can always do what he wants, how he wants, and and a lot of times God surprises us. There's the disclaimer. However, by and large, as a general rule, the Lord meets us at the place of our faith. By and large, most of the time, our faith will determine our experience. Now, God's really big. God's, I'll say it again. God's really big. God's really good. He does awesome stuff. We, have, we can expect this, and all of a sudden, God does this, and that's wonderful. But by and large, God is interested. God will meet us at the place of our faith, and so it's not incidental that Jesus informs their expectations. The Lord knows how important our faith is, and he really takes it upon himself even to stir our faith, to provide traction and resource and substance for our faith. He wants his disciples to bring faith with them to the waiting. If he wanted them to bring faith with them, he wants it for us. If he wanted them to come with expectation, he wants it for us. And what they expected, we should expect. So what did Jesus say? What did Jesus tell them? I mean, who is the Holy Spirit? What will he do? What expectations did Jesus provide about the Holy Spirit that would inform their experience and relationship with the Holy Spirit? Most of that information of what Jesus said, the most of it that we find is in the Gospel of John. John chapters 14, 15, and 16 are often called the the upper room discourse, or if you want to have more of an alliterative fun, they are called the paraclete passages. Mm. But in this upper room discourse, this is the place where you know this is where Jesus washes their feet, this is where they have the Last Supper, this is where they do all the things. And in this place, John takes time to let us know what Jesus told them about the Spirit. 
These sayings, what John lets us know about what Jesus said, they shed great light on the importance of the ongoing, very personal, very practical, very necessary work of the Spirit in our lives. What we see here stands out as answers, as solutions, and as hope for our most urgent needs as followers of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? Well, let's look at it. If you now open your Bibles, flip it back over. If you haven't done it already, let's follow along. I've got, I'll tell you where the, the passages we'll look at, but we're going to look at John 14, 15, and 16, kind of a, a quick survey. And each of these things this, that Jesus says could deserve great exploration. We won't do that today, but we want to at least look at what Jesus said so that we can strengthen our expectations. Yes. Because we want, we, want to, we want the Lord to stir and lift our faith. We want, we want the Lord to meet us at the place of our faith. We want our faith to expand so that our experience and our awareness and our expression of the Spirit can expand. Can I say that again? We want our faith to expand. Our faith will expand as we hear the words of Jesus. Faith comes by the Rematas Christu, the word of Christ. So our, we're going to hear the words of Jesus about the Spirit. Our faith is going to be expanded. And with that, we will expect our experience our awareness, and our expression of the Spirit to be greater than ever. So John begins by telling us uh, in John 14, that we'll pick it up there. John 14, uh, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and at this point there are, they're, they're finally getting the idea that he is, uh, he's fixing to go. We're not quite there at I am leaving. Hang on, wait, wait till I read it, and then we'll, then we'll do it. Nope, you can go to click here. Click to that. Click to John 14, just don't click on the first bullet yet. There we go, right there, okay? Uh, So uh, in John 14, he begins, and this is what he says, John 14, 1 through 3. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Okay, so don't fret. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Because I am going. There it is. Someone say, I'm going. He's fixing to leave. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, say it again, if I go go. and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am there, you also will be. So Jesus says to them, you making it clear again. Boys, I'm leaving. I'm fixing to go. But I'll be back. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back for you. Okay, so there's a timeline. There's our eschatology. Hey, Dav, what's the end times? Uh, Jesus said he was leaving. And he said he's coming back. There you go. There's the book. Yeah, but what about... He's, he said he was leaving. And then he said he's coming back. I'll come back for you. So what about in the middle? John 14, 12. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you... Now, I want to talk about this again later, but... 
Truly, truly, I say to you, doesn't mean that everything else was phony, phony. (laughs) Truly, truly is, we'll say it again, it's called a vow of solemnity. That means that Jesus is, in, is using a figure of speech, but he's meaning on purpose. He is saying he is, uh, he is engaging his audience in, the most, in, a, in a serious and robust statement. It's, just like, it's like putting your hand on the Bible and swearing an oath. The equivalent. Truly, truly, I say to you, amen, amen, you might read it in, in, the, in the Greek. Amen, amen, I say to you, the one who believes in me, how many believe in Jesus? Okay, so he's talking to he's talking to he's talking to his boys there in the room and the, and the gals, but he's talking to, about everybody who believes. The one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. The person who believes in me will do the work that I've done, and greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Okay. So Jesus says, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. And in the meantime, you have work to do. And not only do you have work to do, you have significant work to do. Not only do you have significant work to do, you have the same work to do that I've been doing. And not only do you have the same work to do that I've been doing, you have greater work. Greater work. Oh, please. Right, Jesus. Oh, please, yeah, right. Like the guy at the table. Yeah, right. Great work. How do you expect us to do what you've been doing? You did stuff nobody done. How do we do that? Sure. Oh, what he means is we'll kind of, you know, work hard. We'll have better technology or something. We might be tempted to think Jesus was kidding or that he was making a metaphor or a figure of speech, except for we go back to that truly, truly part. I really, really mean what I'm about to say part. You will do significant work. You will do greater work. Listen, Jesus said to his boys and girls, you will not do lesser work than me. The church of Jesus Christ should not be defined by lesser works than Jesus, but by greater works. Come on, Lord, inform our faith. Lord, awaken our faith. Help us to hear what you said, Jesus. This, This is what they are entering the upper room with. Because he says, greater works than these shall you do because... And here's the, there's the... The link there, because how in the world are we going to, how in the world are we going to do the works? How are we going to live like Jesus? Because I am going to the Father. Hmm. The correlation between what they were going to do and his going to the Father, that's the key. So what's the significance? What's the connection there? Well, The connection is the Holy Spirit. John 14 in verse 16, that he introduces the Holy Spirit as the helper. And as he does, he tells us the connection. Remember John 12, because I go into the Father. So we pick it right up. And I will ask the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another helper. 
so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. And then verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Wait a minute, I'm coming to you. I thought you said you were leaving. But I'm, what do you mean I'm coming to you? There is the mystery of the Holy Spirit, the beautiful, powerful mystery. Jesus says, oh, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus' ascending to the Father and receiving the Holy Spirit that is, that, that is the key. That is how we receive and walk in the promise that we are going to live like Jesus, that we are going to do his works and even greater works. That is possible, that is promised, that is expected because we have received the Spirit. And here's why it's so cool. And there's lots of reasons why, but here's the first reason why it's so cool. He says, I'm going to give you another helper. Somebody say another helper. And let's just slow it down. Another helper. Now, some of your Bibles might say mm, counselor, uh, comforter, uh, advocate. All of those are fine. But I like helper. Because comforter sounds like, don't worry, you'll get a big hug. And that's fine. Everybody likes a hug. But how many know sometimes you need more than a hug? Good news. You got it. What he said is this. I'm going to send you alas parakletos. Mm. Don't you feel brilliant? I spelled it out for you. You want to say it out loud? Alas parakletos. Now look down at your neighbor and say, well, Jesus said alas uh, I'm going to send you an alas parakletos. This is so good. Another helper. The, the very first word, this word another, connects with verse 18. I am coming to you. I am. I am coming to you. What does he mean by alas parakletos? There are two words for another, at least two words for another in the Greek language. Now, I'm not trying to geek out all about parsing. We don't always break it down uh, fun time, you know, you know, fun with grammar, but sometimes fun with grammar is really fun. And so, today in particular, this grammar really makes the difference. There are two words for another in the Greek language. One is, one is heteros and one is alas. Heteros means one of a different kind. And if you want to know, and so it, they might be similar, but they're of a different kind. Yoink. Okay? So on the, on the desk here, on the little platform here, I have two... And a wife's care. Uh, I have, we have two instruments for partaking of beverage. They are similar. They're both round. They both hold things. You can drink from them. They're similar, but you can clearly tell them apart. You would not come to them. You would not come to them with the exact same set of expectations. would expect different things you would in fact you probably would not expect me to hoist this pink mug around <laughs> i trust michael would adjust that if that occurred <laughs> okay, pal why don't you go ahead and hand me that um 
You would not have this. These are, they don't look the same. They don't feel the same. They don't act the same. You have different expectations of them. Maybe you have more expectations of one than the other. Well, this one's going to keep it colder longer and probably won't spill if I hit it, right? They're they're the same, but they're really different. Heteros. Both hold, both drink. Heteros. Different. They are one of, they're similar, but a different kind. Alas. Can't tell them apart. Can't tell them apart. I'm going to send you an alas parakletos. I'm going to send a helper that you will have. You will have that they will look. It will look the same. It will feel the same. Act the same. Do the same. You will have the exact same set of expectations. Allah's Perakletos, Jesus says, I'm going to send you someone who will be just like me, who will do what I would do in exactly every way. I, think, I do not think it's for, for, for no empty reason that we never have a, a record of the apostles ever grieving except for, during, well, except for while Jesus was buried and they didn't understand. But after the resurrection, we don't have any record of them ever grieving his absence because they never felt it. They never felt it. Because he said, I won't leave you. I'm coming. Allah's another like Jesus. The Spirit's presence with the disciples will literally replace and replicate Jesus' physical presence with them. The Spirit will be to the disciples everything that Jesus had been to them in every way. This is what they expected. And so should we. It gets better. And it's only 9.58. It gets better. Well, I don't know if it gets better than that, but it gets, it's, there's more, so that's better. He says, parakletos means the one who is called alongside to help. One just like me, but not one who's just going to stand there and looking. Not just, a, not just an acquiescent observer. Not a managerial oversight. <laughs> not one to come check on you and see how you're doing, keep an eye on you, but one who comes to bring his hands to help you. Allah's Perakletos is one who is called alongside not to look, not just to be, not just to hang out, but to act, to help. This is God showing up in your life with his sleeves rolled up. One's called alongside to help. And how can we expect that how the Holy Spirit is the is the, the as a helper? How can we expect him to help? Well, what do we expect him to do? We ex- we should expect him to be just like Jesus, to help. Like Jesus would help. You would say, well, how would Jesus have helped? That's what we can expect from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we can have, well, let me say it this way. They, Jesus informed them, 
he, he, he gave them this, that they should believe that they should have the same expectations of the Holy Spirit as they had of Jesus. They should have the same hope. They should have the same, the same they should anticipate the same level of help for their personal, their, what, what they needed in their lives as followers of Jesus and as they looked around the world and they saw the needs and the opportunities, the crisis, the light, the darkness, the people, the humanity in the world, they looked around and they would look around and say, how in the world, if we're going to do anything, and by the way, Jesus has left the fate of the planet in our hands, if we're going to do this, we're going to need some help. Good news, he has sent a helper. This is what they expected, and therefore, so should we. He is the helper. Say it one more time. He is the helper. He is the helper. This is what they expected. Secondly, we've got to keep going because there's more. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Pick it up at John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while remaining with you. These things I've spoken. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And remind you of all that I said to you. Jesus explains to his disciples that he has spoken these things. Somebody said these things. These things while with them. But the Holy Spirit will teach them all things. Boy, Jesus seems to think a lot of this Holy Ghost. And if he does... The promise that Jesus, look, let's just be candid. The promise that, of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things seems to indicate that there is nothing outside the boundary of possibility of what the Holy Spirit can teach us. Now, I, I used to, as I've talked through and done seminars about this kind of stuff, I, I used to pause and kind of for humor's sake, but also to try to keep people grounded, Luya. Uh, <laughs> I used to say something like, well, now I can't promise that the Holy Spirit will teach you how to build a flying car. (laughs) Well, you know what? Who am I to say? I mean, I can't promise it, but I'm certainly not going to. If Jesus didn't put any boundaries on what the Holy Spirit is willing to teach you, I'm certainly not going to get in the way. If there's one thing we've learned about Jesus in the last year is that Jesus never talks us down from expectation. He never backed, hey, 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 that's too much faith. <laughs> Simmer down. Jesus never does that. He sees us get crazy with faith, and he says, oh, boy. And he leaves everybody else and goes and chases after that one. Oh, looky there, amazing faith. I like that one. I'm going to go hang out with them. There is nothing. There, if, there, what, we can, what we know for sure is there is not anything that we need to know that the Holy Spirit cannot teach us. Especially, friends, listen to this, especially with regard to doing the will of God. If it's, if it's, if it's God's will, if it's within, and, I, and I mean his specific will or God's revealed will, if it's God's will, the Holy Spirit will not only reveal it to you, he'll help you know how to do it. He will teach you. The Holy Spirit will absolutely teach you how to marriage. You know, I think there's one thing that the Holy Spirit won't help you. 
He will not help you learn to live in sin and get away with it. If you're cherishing sin and asking for his guidance, he's going to say, well, we have some things that we need to just, Lucy, you have some explaining to do. But he will teach us, he will teach us righteousness. He will, he will help you make the right choices even if it's hard. He'll, tell you, he'll teach you how to marriage. He'll teach you how to family. He'll show you ethics. He'll affirm to you to do the right thing whether everybody's looking or nobody's looking. He'll lead you like the psalmist said, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You, he will always show you the path that will bring him the highest honor. The Holy Spirit will help you to navigate this culture that you live in. The Milo. And you're not the only ones. Come on, friends. We're not the only ones who have inherited chaos. The Holy Spirit will help you to live differently and righteously in, the, in your culture. He will help you, teach you to live like and live for Jesus. This is what they expected. And so must we. Jump down to chapter 15 and verse 26. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is the witness. He is the witness. <laughs> hmm. Maybe you want to say it out loud. Try to, try, to, try to own it. Say, He is the witness. He is the witness. Now, we'll see that as we walk through the book of Acts. He is the witness. I mean, He literally is the one who raised Christ from the dead. I mean, He was there. But He is the witness. Here's what Jesus said in 1526. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father... He will testify about me. The Holy Spirit will bear witness. He will testify about Jesus. Let's be clear that we understand what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, that the Spirit's presence, His influence, His activity in our life, what we have called the prophetic and dynamic and personal presence of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will affirm the Lordship of the risen Christ. The Holy Spirit will, he has not come to testify that just that there was a Jesus of Nazareth. He is coming to testify that there is a living, risen Christ. The Holy Spirit has come to prove he is heaven's evidence that Christ is risen and he is Lord. This is part of the first uh, expression, the first sermon in the book of Acts. It's after the day of Pentecost and all the events, all the all that we'll look at, all the pneumatological phenomenon, all the prophetic activity. Peter gets up and explains all that has happened and uh, and and reference, you know, grounds it in the Old Testament scripture. And and then kind of when he's landing the plane, he's talking about all that God has done, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to this massive crowd, and he says this. He said. Uh, that, that Christ has, this is my old King James coming out here, Christ, he hath ascended and has received, and he hath poured out 
this that you see and hear. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is heaven's answer, heaven's evidence, heaven's assurance that Christ is risen and he is Lord. And then Peter says, therefore, know for certain, Acts 2.36, therefore, know for certain that God, that he has made this Jesus Lord and Christ. The certainty, the assurance of the Lordship of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He will testify of me. And we see this, and I I, I hesitate to go too far forward because we're going to walk through all these fun passages. But we see the Holy Spirit doing this, testifying to the the lordship of Jesus as the book of Acts progresses. Not long after the, 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 the upper room encounter, Peter and John are on their way to pray. They're going to the temple. They stop. They see a man. They see a man begging at the temple gate, and he asks them for money. And Peter says... Eric, he says, I don't got any money. Why did he say that? Because Peter's married. Come on, right here. He says, right? Peter says, I don't got any money. I don't got any money. It's not that I'm broke. I just ain't carrying it with me, right? It's with the person who's in charge of the, we did today, Ramsey. And anyway. I don't have any money, but he said, listen, but I do got something for you. I got money, and I'm not going to help you, but I got something else that you might want. And then he says, in the name. Not, he didn't say, remember when Jesus was here. Let's just take a minute and remember how much we appreciate it. You remember, you know what takes, remember when Jesus did cool stuff? Wouldn't that have been great? Well, you have a good day. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. In Acts chapter 4, they ask him, the, the Sanhedrin, they say, what in the beans? That's the, the new, new, new living. <laughs> they say, what in the beans? Who said that what name? Who said in what name? Well, who, how'd you do that? And they said, if you're asking us by what power or authority this, this man was made well, then know this, it is by the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then he said, and there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. This is all, all of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bringing to bear upon that man's life and body the power of the age to come, demonstrating that Jesus Christ is alive, that there is, a, there is that heaven is real. That eternity is real. And that, that there is that the Holy Spirit is the, is the down payment. He is the first expression of the power of the age to come. Resurrection and life. He is the living evidence of a risen Christ. This is what Jesus told them to expect. And so should we. A couple more. John chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus says this. If you're uncomfortable so far, this will make you more so. (laughs) Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is better. It is better. John 16, 7, Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. What's that? That's a vow of solemnity again. I think Jesus says these things when he knows that what he's about to say, people are not going to believe him. What? So before the guy in the room goes, yeah, right, he says, 
what I'm about to say, listen carefully and take it seriously. Before I, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. I know we read that in hindsight, and it probably doesn't even really phase us, doesn't even ping our radar. I don't know how many of you have been watching The Chosen. You probably should. I understand that it's become a requirement now to get into heaven. <laughs> and they're going to be like, what? there's a quiz. Um, but, if you, but this program probably has done a better job than, than, than any I've seen in, in, in cultivating the, the idea of, uh, of the disciples and their affection for and their, their commitment to their, their absolute, they're absolutely enamored with love, are devoted to. They want, they, they, the idea that Jesus would call them is beyond their, just, it's just an, an amazing invitation and they, they leave everything and you can see them acting out this, this devotion, I mean, among other things. And it, whether you need a program like that or not, just to stop and imagine the, these disciples and their love for Jesus and all that he is and all that he said and all that he's done, even him just radiating the very presence of God. And even how they f- just feel being around him. And he says to them, I'm leaving, but it's to your advantage. You think, well, that can't be. There's no way it can be better. Because you're the best I've ever known. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're being with you. It's, you are Peter's Peter. said, where else? You alone have the words of life. But he says, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving for. If I don't leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him. Do we hear the words of our... Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him? Then listen to him say, it's better for you that I go. Because I have something better have something even more than my physical presence. It's to your advantage. One must come to grips with the clear implication that Jesus viewed the coming of the Spirit as a superior state for his disciples than he himself remaining with them. This is what they expected. And so should we. Right now, if if Brother Ed opened up those doors and Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Jesus of Nazareth, walked right in the room, after we all panicked, (laughs) and after I pushed you all out of my way, (laughs) and don't think I wouldn't, I don't care. I don't care. I w- there'd be no ladies first. There'd be me first. Remember Peter, James, John, and Dad. Okay? Uh, after I pushed you all out of my way, squeeze the breath out of him. After all of that, what kind of hope would you feel in the room? kind of comfort, what kind of assurance, what kind of expectation would you have? Would Jesus 
wants us to expect is that that level of hope and comfort and joy can be, should be ours, but more so. So how can that be? Jesus is asking us to take his word. That he is sending us the spirit. Every one of us should pause and consider the importance that Jesus places on the Spirit and ask if we are embracing the Spirit in the way that Jesus is intending. A couple of more things, and then we'll be done. John continues, John chapter 16 and verse 8, he tells, Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit will persuade the world. Verse 8 says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment regarding sin because they do not believe in me, regarding righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you are no longer going to see me. Remember, you've got to feel the dynamic. You're not going to see me, but I'm coming. Come on. And regarding judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. Jesus has every confidence that the Spirit is sufficient and singularly able to confront and convict the world of the truth of the gospel. There was a study done some years ago that they studied the the effect of uh, the evangelistic uh, efforts of the church in North America, uh, uh, the, the programs and the outreaches and the finances, and uh, I, there was something about like um, there was something like they, they studied a billion dollars worth of effort invested into uh, into programs mm-hmm. and of outreach. Then they measured the 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 growth in people coming to faith against you know as a percentage of the growth of the population itself, and that percentage was zero. Wow. That accounting for the population, the growth of new believers in comparison, the percentage, zero. I'm not saying we, don't, we shouldn't do everything we can. Spend every dollar if we can. But understand this. Any desire to reach the world and persuade them to look to and believe upon Jesus Christ must be done in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because He alone is sufficient. And he is totally sufficient. On the day of Pentecost, the people that a great number of people that were present in the crowd below were familiar with Jesus. None of them said, "Well, Jesus, who?" They had heard of him. Many of them, probably in the crowd, had cried out, "Crucify him!" So when Peter stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost that, 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 that hey, I mean, he actually said, you crucified him, remember? And they're like, oh, we did that. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And, then, and we would know, by the way, there's, they, they had still figured out the empty tomb at that point, right? Nobody knew where that was. Okay, what's going on there? He said, you crucified him, God raised him from the dead. He's poured out this which you now see and hear. Therefore, know, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. And then something miraculously happens to a crowd of people whose hearts were hardened and violent and harsh not just a few weeks before. They cry out, and the Bible says they are pricked. They are cut 
to the heart. And they cry out, what must we do? What changed? Was it a new idea, a new program, a new persuasion, a new argument? No, what changed is the Holy Spirit will persuade the world. The coming of the Holy Spirit changed the hearts of humanity. And I realize that out there sometimes it can seem like nobody wants to change their mind. We want to argue. We want to get blue in the face. We want to dance. We want to put on costumes or puppets or whatever. Great, do everything. But do everything in total dependence upon the only one who's going to change the hearts of the world. They expected. They relied upon. They knew the Holy Spirit was coming to persuade the world. That was their expectation and it must be ours. My goodness sake, the very last thing that we should ever do is say, well, they say it. That just gets said. I, it's hard for me to say it out loud because it just, it's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But they, people say, well, you know, we, should, we need to keep the Holy Spirit kind of on the down low so that we don't drive away unbelievers. That's what they say. It's a, Jesus said he's the only one who's going to persuade them. And finally, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach the church. He'll lead the church. Uh, um, 16 verses 12 through 15. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. He will take from what is mine to disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will guide the church into all truth, and he will be to us the voice from heaven. He's not an independent voice. His voice sounds just like Jesus. There is one voice from heaven to the church. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and he will guide us. Jesus has, is leaving us completely in the guiding power, the influence, the voice of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will take all. Here's what Jesus said. He will take all that heaven has and disclose it to us. He will come to us with all of heaven. He's coming and he's bringing heaven with him. This is their expectation. Oh, he's coming and he's bringing heaven with him. That's what they expected. So should we. That's what they expected. So should we. So the emphasis that Jesus places upon the Holy Spirit and his, his sufficiency is immeasurably significant. Friends, it's important for me to just emphasize to you again that no part of your Christian life is supposed to be lived apart from the Spirit's divine aid. So just take a moment and just ask yourself, are you depending on the Holy Spirit the way that Jesus said to 
to the degree that you and I do not depend upon and rely upon the Holy Spirit, according to the words of Jesus, it's to that degree that we are removing ourselves from the expectation of the apostles and the experience of the apostles. We need to, re- we need to meet them at their experience and we, if there's anything we need, we need the apostolic experience. So, Lord, help us. Enlarge our faith. So enlarge our faith by just reminding, remind us, Lord, of what Jesus said. We receive the words of Jesus today, informing our expectations, expanding our expectometer so that our faith rises today. Our faith will rise as a natural consequence of just hearing and believing the words of Jesus. We believe that the Holy Spirit is come to be and to do just like Jesus. So that we will do the works of Jesus. We believe the Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us. He'll help us. He'll, he'll, he'll lead us into godly lives and teach us what to do. That he, he will bring to us every resource from heaven that we need. And we believe the Holy Spirit is sufficient in His power and His love to wrestle the hearts of the world and draw them to Jesus. We trust you, Holy Spirit. We trust you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. together just sing that one more time please come holy spirit
got good news for you. The Holy Spirit has come. The Helper is here. If you've come here this morning and you need help, you need the kind of help that Jesus gives. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here to minister to you. So while we're going to dismiss and let everybody go, if you'd like to receive prayer, someone to pray with you, lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and come expecting the Holy Spirit to minister to you just like Jesus, we want to pray with you this morning. So if you'd like prayer, Aaron's going to sing this again. If you'd like prayer, you can come. Otherwise, God bless you. Go say hi to somebody. Enjoy the cafe. And go with great expectation and all that the Holy Spirit is in your life. So Oh,